I'll do a little introduction of the podcast and, and you, and uh, then we'll just uh, hang out uh, f- for a while and talk and, and share. It'll be fun. Yeah. Recording, double check. Very, very good. Okay. Welcome to the Rocking Life podcast, Rocking Life After Divorce. And today we have an awesome guest in uh, Monica Perez Burnett. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So I'm so happy that you wanted to uh, join the, the podcast. And you're a mom of eight. Wow. I have four, and I think that's a lot. So I, I would love to hear more about that story. Definitely. I'll share. <laughs> and you, you're a businesswoman, faith-led business, and the Faith-Led Business podcast that uh, I, I want all my listeners to go and listen to. It's an awesome podcast. Monica is so real and down to earth. I really love that about her. And uh, the podcast, my podcast is, uh, I went through a divorce about a little over five years ago. And uh, it was the most, most difficult thing in my whole life. But uh, what it did was that I, it was kind of like an awakening in, the, in a way. I started to, uh, to get help. I got a coach. I got a ma- mentor in John Maxwell. And my life made a big turnaround after that. And I am right now feeling better than I've ever felt. And uh, I feel that I'm, uh, I'm on the, the right path. I was, uh, have had a lot of blind spots you know, in, in the relationship. And uh, I want this podcast to be a place of hope where people can find their footing after a divorce and uh, get them back on track and, and find their, their calling or whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, where you're supposed to be. And you can turn your life into an amazing place. And I think you need going to need some help along the way. Uh, it's difficult to do it yourself. And uh, I think this podcast be, can be one tool. It can be a counselor or a coach or a, a, an awesome friend also that, that can help you along the way. But don't sit at home and just think you can fix it yourself. Because a lot of times that just turns into depression, loneliness, and, and then despair in a way. So a little short introduction to the podcast. And uh, we have a Facebook group called uh, F- uh, Rocking Life After Divorce. You're welcome to join. And a uh, little about Monica. Who is Monica? I'd love mm-hmm. to know more about you. I know a little bit about you, but not much. <laughs> well, I am more than happy to share. Uh, so I am a mom of eight. Four of my older children are from my previous marriage. And then I got remarried and had two sets of twins. So the family grew quite quickly, not planned. Uh, <laughs> as I come from a family of two, only my brother and myself, and all of a sudden here I am with so many children, uh, which have been a blessing. But still, it's a lot to... Uh, to work with and deal with on a daily basis. They, um, you know, everybody has a need all the time. If it's not the younger ones, it's the older ones. So, uh, so that is a big part of my life is being a mom. And I'm also an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for 28 years now, working in various industries, doing face-to-face type of business. I've done online business. I've done network marketing. And now I have my own business teaching faith-led women entrepreneurs how to use their God-given gifts to uh, to create an impact in the world with those gifts and find their purpose and share their message. And so I specialize in branding and tech and helping them get visible in the marketplace. Yeah. And that's so crucial, especially when you're a startup entrepreneur. I know it myself. It's, uh, 
a lot of times you feel that uh, I have a message, but how do you connect with the people that are supposed to receive it? I think that's, uh, uh, it's crucial to, to learn how to connect. And connecting is not something that you're born with. John Maxwell has written a book, a little tip of the day, Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. It's the best book I've ever read about connecting. And uh, I, think, I think going out there as a new entrepreneur, you need help as well. I agree. I agree. It's um, it's very helpful to have mentors. And the interesting thing is that now that in the online world, you have access to so many different people. Yeah. Sometimes it actually can keep people stuck oh, yeah. uh, until you find the person who you really connect with in terms of your values, in terms of your future goals. And you maybe see them doing the same things that you can see yourself doing. And then you find those touch points with them. And so it's important to keep searching, to find, to find those people who truly are those people who are meant to be in your space and, uh, and help guide you. Don't turn right, turn left, do this here, don't do there. This is what happened to me. And I think that's why this podcast is so valuable because I believe that what you are bringing to the table for people who have gone through an experience of a divorce, they can know that it doesn't end there. Yeah. that their yeah. life doesn't end there, that there is more. And by you being able to say, look, I went right instead of left in this circumstance can truly motivate and inspire people to radically change their lives. And I, that's why I think it's so important to bring our voices to the table in any area that we may be. Yeah, yeah. I think also podcast format is very good, especially in, in when you talk about divorce, a lot of stigma around it and Sometimes yeah. people maybe don't want to talk about it. Uh, that's the way it was for me. I, I was a, a lot of shame involved. So I didn't want to talk to my closest friends. I didn't want to even go to church because a, a church, they preached so strongly about staying married and almost no talking about divorce. And uh, I don't think they meant it to be become that, but it became like that. I felt like a failure. So I stopped going to church, uh, uh, that church, for about a year and a half just because uh, I felt like a failure. And um, I think a podcast format is a, a great way to, to reach people that might not feel comfortable. And I want to spread the, the news in uh, different ways, but, uh, mm -hmm. but a little bit more about your divorce. How did you navigate uh, what happened? And how did you go through the divorce, moving through and also into a new relationship and then having more kids? It, it sounds very, very interesting. I want to know. <laughs> Yes. Um, so my first husband was my first boyfriend. I met him when I was uh, when I was 15. And, um, and I got married when I had just turned 20. And I had wow. my first child at 20. So my oldest is 27. Yeah. And so it was one of those things, I think sometimes when you're so young, and you haven't experienced life, and we did have a very large age gap, 16 years, age gap. And so Sometimes when that occurs, you're kind of living in two different worlds, right? Yeah. Or, um, or it's more of a, I hate to say it, but more of a kind of like a father-daughter relationship more than an actual mutual relationship where you can communicate yeah. the same level about things. And so um, after 16 years, it, was, uh, it got to a point where I just felt that it, it just was not we were just not compatible in that way anymore. Um, our children were great. Um, 
they were awesome. And he's a great person. We, in fact, we still have great communication. Uh, he's still, you know, involved with the children. In fact, in a few weeks, he's going to come visit them here. If he's in California, we're here in North Carolina. He's going to come visit. He gets along fine with my current husband and uh, with the family. Yeah. So that's a, that's a wonderful blessing because I know many times that does not happen. That is a uh, blessing. Yes. And so, um, so that has been wonderful, but it just came to the point where we did try counseling and different things and it just was not, um, we just had different mindsets, uh, at the time. And so we decided to, it was more my decision to, um, to separate and to go through the divorce. And it it was very difficult because of the guilt that comes along with the children. I think it's much, uh, much more of a burden when you have children and you know that you are, from that moment on, creating a different life for them. Definitely. Right? That you can't go back to the home that they once knew. And so that that can be a very heavy burden that that you hold because not only are they dealing with the emotional parts of it, but also just sometimes they didn't want to go for the weekend and stay with their dad, but they had to, you know? And so that's that's a very difficult... um, just situation, just watching the emotions and all of that, going through all of that, that was hard. Thankfully, we've always had pretty good communication with the kids. And, you know, over time, it, it was probably about a year later, year and a half later, I met um, my, hus- my current husband. We were both working at a school. I was the music teacher. I was a music teacher for 10 years at the children's school, and he had come in. Um, to do kind of a side job there, and he he played the piano, and so I asked him to be part of our um, yearly concert that we do, and oh. that's how we got to know each other, yeah. and uh, through music. <laughs> and um, one of the things that stood out to me, and this was the only reason why I I accepted a new relationship to even you know start thinking about it, was that from day one he always put those older four children first. Yeah. It was never about us going out to, Hey, can you get away from them so we can go out and do this? It was, um, when is the next soccer game? You know, and, uh, and he hates soccer. He's a baseball guy, (laughs) (laughs) right? But he, he never missed one of the older, my older son's soccer games, you know? And so what a good tip for a future husband. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, to put them first, because the truth uh, is, if you are not going to put the emphasis on the family, if there are already children yeah. there, if you are not going to make them a priority, what kind of life are you going to live? You know, you can't tiptoe around your life. No. It's very uncomfortable, and you just can't really feel that joy that you are supposed to experience yeah. um, in a family and in a marriage. And so, um, so for me, that was what got me is I said, he's spending more time thinking about my children and their needs than even myself. Of course, he was very nice to me at the time, right? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, but they were always part of the equation. And so, um, so when we actually did decide to get married, we got married on a weekend where, um, you know, the kids, the kids, the older kids weren't there. It was still kind of, you know, it's still kind of awkward. We just did a quick, you know, we went to, um, to Carmel for the weekend. It was almost like, you know, this is the weekend. I don't have the kids. Let's go get married. (laughs) (laughs) 
day you're a full-time parent, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> I remember he would come. I, as a Hispanic in that culture, it's very common to iron all your clothes, okay. you know, even jeans, socks, yeah, just everything. You just iron everything. Yeah. And I, and he's Caucasian. He's just here in the U.S. And so it was pretty funny because he would look at me. He's like, "Why are you ironing all these clothes? Don't you just stick it in the dryer?" Exactly. And then just, That's you know, what I said. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, really? So he got me out of that habit. But during the time when we were dating, he would come and help me iron clothes. Oh wow! <laughs> you know, yeah. he would come and help me. You That's know, respect. get the kids to bed. It yeah. is. Um, and so. Every step of the way, it was all. Now I don't. <laughs> I'm like, thank God I'm freed from that curse. <laughs> but, um, but definitely, it it was when I was looking. I wasn't looking to be in another relationship. Okay. But it came. It happened. And it happened. And when it did, it was something where I could see all of the right ingredients put together. Yeah. I think person. that's the best way. I started dating right after the divorce and I realized I was dating for this uh, for the wrong reasons. I, I mm -hmm. was dating just because I was lonely and that is not a good reason to go into a relationship just because you're lonely. And uh, I've heard mm -hmm. so many people that are going through a divorce, they're super lonely, they start dating and it's like, I just had to take a break. So I, I haven't dated for two years. Uh, I just uh, needed to find myself. I need to feel good about being by myself. And now I, I feel super comfortable. But uh, I don't know about this online dating. I think it's much better if you can find somebody new in an organic place. Uh, for example, right. uh, if you have a sport or if you have a, some kind of uh, activity and connect with people around you. So, but that's awesome to feel that, that you found somebody without looking and that's encouragement for other people too yes yes i think um you know i'm, I'm a faith-based person of course i teach faith-based business yeah. <laughs> so i truly believe god's timing is perfect in that he will pair you with someone who will complement and um and help you grow yeah. where yeah. they are not and what one thing that i want to make note of that you said was that right now you took you took that time those two years you're taking that time to grow yourself and there's nothing more important i think that you can do than that yeah. because yeah. in a relationship you don't want to come to a relationship where you need the person no. to feel valued to feel validated <laughs> to feel worthy it's more like I am bringing myself to this relationship. What can I bring to it? Yeah. How can I help lift this person up? And when you have that mindset where it's not about me, it's about them, uh, you are truly able to create something very special, very long lasting, very, um, very steadfast in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And, uh, if you come out of a need, it becomes a very dysfunctional relationship when you, it's like codependent or it's like uh, not healthy. And uh, I've heard it say that uh, what you project, if you project brokenness, you're going to attract brokenness. So if you project uh, a broken, you're not whole yourself, that w that's the type of person you're going to attract. And then it's going to be chaos. But if you're a whole person yourself, you're not in need of, of all these things and you're going to attract somebody that like that as well. But, I agree. Um, and God will show you. But um, yeah. but that's very, very uh, both uplifting, I think, uh, that, that you have uh, found your, your husband and uh, you have uh, four 
additional kids. How does that work when you have uh, kids from a previous uh, marriage and new kids balance that? I don't know if your husband has kids of his own. He did not. So these were all his first kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so he kind of makes fun of people who are, you know, complaining and they only have one child. He's like, look, I came into four and then I had two sets of twins back to back. So, um, so yeah, it, it was very interesting because for example, my older daughter, she was 16 when the first set of twins were born. Yeah. So it was almost, I have some pictures of her holding them. It's almost like she looks like she could be the mom, right, Um, (laughs) of these children. So it was nice that my kids were older because they were able to help. If you were to ask my older kids if they want kids, I think I jaded them now. (laughs) Because they've had to deal with twins and twins are nonstop. But yeah, it was something that we were not quite expecting to happen, but here is the thing. So I'll, I'll just be in case anybody else has had this experience, I'm going to share it because who knows, it may be an option for someone else. So in our case, after I'd had my fourth child, I had my tubes tied, so I couldn't have any more children, but I saw the way that he treated my kids and I knew that he didn't have his own. And I said, it would be great to find a way for him to have some children. He would be an amazing father. And so we went in and it turned out that they couldn't reverse that. But they did say, well, you could do in vitro because you don't, you don't have fertility issues. It's just getting them in there. (laughs) So, um, so we went ahead and we did that. And that's why we got, we ended up with two sets of twins. It was, it was a crazy decision in the moment. I don't know how, (laughs) how we even fathomed that that made sense in the moment, (laughs) but, um, but they have been just such an amazing blessing and he has stepped up to the table in terms of being the most amazing dad as well. Um, and so I just, I believe that where there's a will, there's a way, you know, it's almost like, because people say, well, how do you do it with eight kids? How can you manage it all and balance it all? And, um, and also have a relationship uh, and have a relationship. (laughs) Right. And, and lots of times it's basically like, well, there's no other option. You have to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Priorities. And also, uh, for me, I feel like because we had issues with the kids, medical issues, and it, it became a very big part of uh, my ex-wife's. When, uh, when you have kids, I think it's very important not to 100% focus on the kids. You need to focus on your relationship as well. And how do you balance that? Yeah. Well, in our case, it's very unique because I work from home. Yeah. I have my own business. But he also, through his job, he works from home as well. Okay. And so ever since our first set of twins, who are now 10, um, were born, uh, he's always been home. Yeah. So we we are together 24-7. Yeah. Day and night, night and day. Um, Okay. And and it's almost like in some cases, because I'm very much, you know, into business, into work, into doing these things, um, I almost say it's almost like we swapped positions because he's very in tune with what's going on. In the house, I say, you have eyes in the back of your head. How do you know what they're doing? So um, so our kids don't know what it's like to have a dad outside of the home. Okay. 
although we've had to do some gymnastics when he's in a meeting and or somebody calls and he's like let's say in the bedroom I remember when they were younger and they would be crying or something and he would do these sprints over the uh the safety gates uh, jumping into the bathroom to try to take a call and you know those kinds of things you maneuver it as best you can our unique circumstances is that we've always all been together and so it's not that we need so much the extra time, although we do, we do, we do need those like little date nights and different things like that. We do need to do a better job of doing that more, but the truth is we are always together. Yeah. I know uh, for me, I felt like, uh, to, especially towards the end, we had strife in a relationship and uh, we almost had too much time together. I did not uh, prioritize mm-hmm. friends outside of the relationship mm-hmm. and uh, the drawback of that when I went through a divorce is that I didn't have a lot of close friends, almost none. So I went through extreme loneliness. And I think it's it's important that, yes, you're one, but it can also be difficult if you're too close and you don't have your own life. That uh, Somebody said it's, it's better to have it's like two trees growing together, supporting each other, but you don't grow together and become like physically one. It's important to respect each other and also that you can have your own life. You can have your a buddy that you can go and play play golf with without that being a problem. So it's like, yeah. Definitely. definitely. And that's, that's one of the things that my husband is always encouraging me, you know, go out, do this, do that. And he's never been one of those who, you know, holds it like, why are you, you know, that kind of thing. I do remember having that experience because since I met my um, ex-husband at church and our church community was very strong, I was very involved. That was my degree was in, in religious studies, I worked in that, and um, I worked. I was a youth minister, and so when this happened, I lost every single one of my friends, yeah. and I was completely by myself. And then my parents were also very upset that it was happening. They barely would speak to me, wow. and then the kids were feeling bad. So I understand the. It's just me. What do I do? It just feels you just have such a heavy weight. Like, first of all, you know, could I have done something different? But wait, I know deep inside me, this just was, you know, it wasn't the right, it, it just had to happen. Um, and so it was It was very hard. How I did, agree. How with did you it. deal with that? Uh, especially when you, like, it was similar to me because we had a lot of joint friends and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people did not want to deal with because we had a lot of friction in the divorce and uh, a lot of people that's dissipated or, or uh, yeah. it's like a lot of changes. How did you deal with that? In Must that case? Very difficult to have all the people in church not just kind of like abandon you. Yeah, and I stopped going. Yeah, I did the same. I stopped going, yeah, because uh, like why would you want to go to a place you're not welcome? Exactly. Where you're you're yeah. ignored or you're rejected. Yeah. <laughs> You know? and that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Um, it was it was rough. It was rough. I've reconnected with some of the people from the past and we're, you know, we're we're fine. We're not like best friends or anything, but we're still acquaintances and we, you know, chat from time to time. But um that was a time where I had to make a decision. Yeah. Am I gonna go down this hole of woe is me? Or am I going to find me? Yeah. So how did you do that? I had to, I got into reading. 
That's awesome. I got into finding uh, mentors. I got into, you know, watching John Maxwell was one of them. I, you know, I got into seeking the people who had the kind of life that I wanted. Yeah. But were you, were you like aware of what was going on with your friends? Did you go into loneliness or any depression or did you right away feel, okay, I I just need to do this and this and this and this to fix me or for me, it was like a, a gray zone or like a, a, a fog, uh, if I describe it, during a, maybe a year, year and a half, where I, I did take some very good steps, both by getting a counselor initially in the divorce. It was actually for our whole family. Even the, our youngest kids went there for two years through counseling, which was awesome. And she is the one who recommended me to reach out to other people. But did you, were, did you have that awareness yourself? I didn't feel like I, I had people around me that spoke into my life and I, I listened to them and I, I did what many people say, but it was like a fog in many ways. It was weird. For me, because I, I was the one who had the kids, I basically used whatever they were into as kind of like my safe zone. So I just kind of dove deep into whatever they were doing and I let that distract me. It was almost like I didn't want to face my reality. So I was just kind of surviving in a sense, but just like, you know, focusing on their stuff to keep myself distracted from facing the reality and what's next. So that took a while. That took a while. How long did that take? At least a year. Yeah. And how did you deal with the reality? You know, I think it wasn't until even a few years ago. Oh, yeah. That I actually faced it. Oh, wow. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. So you went into a new relationship and hadn't really faced these things. Yeah. Explain. Yeah. I, um, so I feel like I, I was still in the process of finding myself. Yeah. And understanding why I had made the choices that I had made and understanding why people acted the way they did and being very tentative of, of relationships with other women because I felt, I almost felt like that was the biggest betrayal. (laughs) That was almost like the biggest hurt. Is that that because the women abandoned you? Yes. Yes. And so it has been for many years, been very hard for me to get close to other women. I'm, uh, you know, I'm very nice and friendly with them all, but to get into a deeper relationship where I'm like, you know, your best friend that you call and tell about everything. I haven't had that since that time. Did you have it uh, prior? I did. I had my best friend who I, you know, talked to almost daily. We were involved in church and we had all these things and that I'm the godmother of her son, you know, just lots of things and just gone poof. Right. I think Uh, this is so interesting. I think we need to have another episode about connecting because I love connecting about about talking about how to connect because I did not have a close friend, a close relationship. I had a family unit. Yes, we Mm -hmm. were close. But uh, to have a few friends that are like you can share anything. And that's actually after the divorce, I got a roommate. Uh, one in Sweden and, and one in the U.S. because I traveled back and forth all the time. Mm. And that was the best thing I did. Uh, it was a buddy of mine in, in Bible study that asked me, hey, I was staying at the Airbnbs when I was living in the U.S. I said, why don't we just roommate instead? Because he had his uh, own apartment and he'd gone through the same thing. He was uh, going through a divorce as well. 
and uh, we became we're still super close friends and uh, he's actually the one i interviewed on the first podcast mm. <laughs> about connecting but uh, uh, and there was thanks to us both being roommates but also starting to share about the same i felt that he could understand me because he went through the same thing i had gone through and so i was uh, i was able to share what i was going through and i felt safe with him to share it and yeah. then we just started to really it took a few years until we became uh, really close friends and uh, now he's remarried and uh, we're still super close friends we're actually going to go play golf on sunday and nice. uh, and he would just we call each other just out of the blue and just check how's how's uh, what's happening and uh, just a very relaxed fun awesome friendship and love uh, I'd love to hear more about that process in a future yeah. podcast. Yeah. But what, what, was, what, what made you like, realize that you needed to take that journey? It came when my first set of twins were just a few months old. And um, I've always been a pretty healthy person. But I was driving to a music class. And all of a sudden, I felt like my heart was like about to stop. I felt like I was having a heart attack, basically. And I drove myself to the ER. There was a hospital actually just like a block away from that stop sign where I was. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to pass out while I'm driving. And, um, and I went there. They did all these tests. And they're like, man, we don't see anything. We can't find anything. You're perfectly normal. I'm like, there is no way that that's normal. And then it happened again. And then it happened again. It ended up being anxiety and panic attacks. Wow. And I ended up dealing and I was very much a social person in the school that I worked with. I, I held many hats. Um, I was like the go-to for communication with parents, with the children, with all these things. All of a sudden it got to the point where it crippled me, where I could, I would, I wouldn't even drive because I was scared it was going to happen with the, with the kids in the car. And um, I spent about eight months not driving and I became a hermit. I went from this social butterfly to becoming a hermit. And it was in that time because I did not understand why it was even happening. Um, I'm like, I'm stronger than this. I'm better than this. How can this even, you know, but it was just something I could not stop. And so it was in that journey of, not only losing like my friends, but then coming to a point where it started to affect me physically, where I felt like I was almost losing my mind at that point, because I was yeah. like, how am I going to fix this? Thankfully, two years later, it went away. And, um, and it, it took me to a place where I need to be grounded. I need to, I need to go deeper because obviously I've just been dealing with all of this angst and all of this pain and all of these things just on a surface level. Yeah. And I think it finally had gotten into my system to a place where maybe my subconscious was like just holding on to all of these things and it finally surfaced. Wow. Um, and it manifested in that way. And so, um, you know, thank God that was a temporary and I haven't had any experience like that for many, many years. But that was kind of like the dipping point where I was, I didn't go through a depression, but anxiety and panic attacks were major, major wow. that came out of the blue. And so I think that can happen very often in circumstances where you, 
you are just trying to um, avoid and sugarcoat everything. That's the same yeah, way that I dealt. Putting band-aids on them? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I dealt with my first marriage. You would never know there was a problem in my marriage. I was always smiling. Yeah. I'm a smiley person. That's how I disguise it. That's, but that's that was the same thing for me. I was having masks and pretending in church that we had a good marriage. And my ex-wife would complain at me. Why do you show uh, like uh, that we have this great marriage? And I, I know that that's a big reason why our marriage crashed because I wasn't authentic. I wasn't real. Yeah. And uh, I had to deal with that when I, afterwards in the divorce to, to start becoming real, to start being, being a, because I had so much shame about the divorce and I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. But then I started sharing about it. And I, I mentioned this a lot. Uh, Renee Brown has written an amazing book and she's a shame researcher. And she says, you know, when shame wants to hide inside of you, that whatever you're ashamed of. But when you start sharing about that, that shame will actually dissipate. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. And uh, that, to be free of what people think about you and et cetera, that is so, there's nothing better than to be able to be you and not, never have to worry really about what other people think because they worry too much about they, what they think about, uh, you know, the world. So <laughs> that, that's true freedom, honestly. And um, I hold closely with me just the idea that I am 100% responsible of where I am right now. Yeah, absolutely. That because is so I, important. Yeah, if I don't believe that, then I'm giving my freedom away to either circumstances or other people. But if yeah. I know that I'm experiencing something because of choices that I made in the moment of how to deal with things, even if they're external things that are coming to me, but I have the choice of how to deal with it, then I have the key yeah. to still live a joyful life, to still be fulfilled, to still have purpose. And, um, and to still walk with dignity and, uh, and boldness in the world. And so um, I think it's just very important to take ownership of the authority that we do have over our lives yeah. instead of always feeling like the victim. Yeah, that, uh, and I talked to another coach on this podcast, uh, Sonia, and she talks a lot about that to take ownership. It's so easy to blame people and avoid the, the issues and not take responsibility. But when you can start taking responsibility for your life, that's a, a big key on how to live an awesome life. Uh, when you don't blame, you take responsibility for everything around you that you are causing and stop mm -hmm. blaming. And, um, but this story is so, it's so interesting. It's, I, I love interviewing people. You know, you, you find these gold nuggets yeah. in, in these interviews. And I know these Gold Nuggets is going to be tremendous in other people that listen to this podcast because you're so authentic, you're so real, and everybody deals with stuff. There's nobody perfect out there, and we all have our issues, and uh, I think it's important to talk about these things because we can learn from each other. And, well, uh, our stories are so powerful, and that is why I decided to go into branding and visibility yeah. as a focus because it is through us being able to verbalize our past experiences, our current experiences, where we create touch points with people that those could be just that one word, that one sentence that you said at one moment because you decided to share your truth 
could be the turning point for someone. That's our goal. That's what we are called to do. Absolutely. That's it. If you want purpose, that's it. It's to share your story. And I don't think anything is a coincidence in terms of your experiences. There is someone waiting for you on the other side of the fear that you may have in sharing those vulnerabilities who's waiting for you to, you know, at that stoplight to share that. And that, uh, and sometimes we miss it out of fear. Sometimes we miss them. Sometimes we pass by them. And I made a decision a while back that I wasn't willing to miss anyone anymore, that it wasn't about me anymore. Yeah. 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 I I think it's, uh, but that's not, uh, a lot of people don't want to go there because they're afraid of different things to, to be open, to be like, to be able to share your story is so powerful. And I, I really hope that people that are listening right now, that your story is important for somebody. And uh, to be able to, just a little rounding off here in this podcast, if you, right now, if, you, if you're speaking to somebody that went through the same thing you did, what would you say to that person? Walking through a divorce where all your friends at church leaves, leaves you, going through that situation and, and might be in a pretty dark place. What would you say to that person? I would tell them, first of all, that they were never alone. They've never been alone. That it's a lie. That you were created from before you were put in your mother's womb with intention, with love and for a purpose. And so while these moments may feel very dark, they may feel very, um, where you're being excluded from life because of the way people are acting and you have no connections. um, I would encourage people to take a chance on themselves, to know that even if it doesn't feel like, see, I have this big thing about feelings. Feelings are neither good nor bad, but most of the time they take us on roller coaster rides. Yeah. Right. And so I truly believe that if God is telling us, take your thoughts captive so that you can have the life you are called to live, then those emotions that are calling, I need to put those through a filter of truth. Yeah. Right. Everything is telling you you're alone. Are you really alone? Is that truth? And I'm here to tell you it's not. Yeah. And so um, I, would, I would start to work on building that awareness of truth and lies in your life. Because the more you can hang on to truth, I, t- I tell my son, as humans, can only ha- be in one of two places. In a place of power or in a place of helplessness the way to get from one place to the other, because we juggle between both on a daily basis, is to find the truth or find the lies. I'll tell, like sometimes my 10-year-old son will come up and he'll say, oh, I'm so bored, I have nothing to do. And I said, and and I'll say, well, Caleb, where, what place are you in right now? Are you in a place of power? Or are you in a place of, you know, of scarcity, of, of powerlessness. And he says, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like, okay, let's find the lie. Let's find the lie. Are you really bored? Is there really nothing to do? Let's find where, where is the truth in this? And he's like, no, that's not true because I could be doing this 
And then he's like, okay, thanks mom. And he just hops off along and he's like, happy go lucky again. But yeah. it's because we were able to find our truth. And I think this is your key moment, your key opportunity. And sometimes we're put in circumstances where we are in the ditch because if everything was fine all the time, where, how would we have experiences to have faith? To That's have true. Absolutely. Right. And so this uh, is our unique opportunity. Instead of seeing it as this, the most horrible thing that happened, this has been given to you yeah. to discover who you truly are, to, yeah. to take your life to the next level. And so don't let those lies take over where you're supposed to be right now. That is the so good. Yeah. It's going to yeah. take you to, it's, it's like your, um, your springboard yeah. to who you truly are. I, I totally believe that. I totally believe that this, when you go through difficulties, that you can turn that into an opportunity, but it can be very, very difficult. Because for me, I was in many ways had blind spots. And uh, when you go through a situation where it's very difficult, when you have a lot of fear, your perception might not be reality. It probably isn't. Yeah. And uh, it's important to have somebody else can have like a third like a bird eyes view and help you along the way to have a, either a coach a counselor an awesome friend that you trust that you can talk to and that's what i keep saying because that's what was my experience to have somebody else to be able to just give me a call what do you think about this is this really a good idea to, to make this decision now or maybe i shouldn't or maybe it's just totally wacko what i'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but sometimes when you just sit and think too much, it's a problem. Yes. Oh, yes. We can talk ourselves into and out of things very easily. Yeah. But uh, seriously, I know that everybody can turn something difficult like divorce into an opportunity and make an awesome life. And that's what this podcast is about, to help you bring hope, to, to listen to other people's stories like Monica that has had a ride, uh, both ups and downs and valleys and been difficult to navigate, but being able to turn that into something beautiful. And it's so encouraging to listen to, to your story. And uh, I'm just gonna round off the podcast here and, uh, and say to all the listeners, come in and listen to Monica's podcast. What's the name of your podcast again? It's called um, The Faith-Led Business Podcast. Yeah, come in and listen. As you can hear, she's very passionate all the time. And the same thing on the podcast. And. Uh, thankful that you're on the podcast that you were vulnerable to share even things that i feel that might not be super easy to share you know all your friends just leaving that's a very difficult thing and uh, that's what i want to hear uh, the, the stories the depth to it and i love hearing that vulnerability so thank you so much thank you so much for having me i truly hope this will be a blessing to those who are hearing it and that they will feel encouraged and empowered to keep moving forward. That's, that's the biggest thing. Just do not give up. Yeah, don't give up and, and keep on moving. Yes. Take action. Yes. See you all later. Take care.